Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast, the show that explores the vast lore behind The Witcher games, show, and books. Witchers, welcome back to The Witcher Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with Toasty. Toasty with his uh, dead flowers in the background because he hates life. How's it going, Toasty? Damn, that's actually true. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, so I was like, that's dark. the most accurate intro you've ever made for me. Holy oh, shit. Oh, no. Um, so, hey, uh, welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are discussing a variety of other locations. We've been going through some of the kingdoms and stuff. But today, we are going to be talking about some of the lesser locations some of the lesser known the ones that there isn't as much fleshed out yeah yeah. there isn't as much detail about them because there's not as much happening in the books or the games in those places so um so toasty which places are we going to today we're we're taking a little tour yeah so we're we're looking at sodden brugge verdin karak and sidaris sidaris is a cool name yeah I think that one's uh-huh. that one's cool. I mean, they're all kind of cool in their own ways. But Sidaris, mm-hmm. where are you from? Sidaris. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That sounds fancy or something. I don't know. So, all right. So, which one are we going to first? Uh so we're looking at Sodden first, from the most uh, familiar for because a lot of the listeners. Big old um, battle happened there. Yes, yeah, so a very large battle. Um, so, <clears throat> kind of how we do with our, our usual things. We're going to get a little bit of rundown of some of the statistics um so it is a hereditary monarchy much like a lot of the stuff we see um it is a most recently and like the the lore um a vassal state of tamaria but it was a former kingdom of its own um is ruled by the tamarian dynasty but formerly eckhard of sodden was the the ruler um they officially speak common speech and i'll just say out of the way that is the official language for all of the places we will be talking about today uh-huh. um and then uh that that yeah. side of the lore is pretty simplistic compared to mm-hmm. uh it's certain other fantasy like language yeah and you see like you feel like you see a lot of like expanded languages in most fantasy settings mm-hmm. but here it's like you know like if they're human they common speak common it's yeah. just kind of common of elvish i'm trying to think dwarf dwarf yeah the dwarves have their own it was like language. they have their own language right and then yeah. like they have like the magic language which i can't remember what they call that or if they just even call it anything it's just kind mm-hmm. of they talk <laughs> so yeah yeah so that's about it um and its official currency is the tamarian Oran, of course um makes sense so Sodom was a former kingdom located around the Yoruga River between Centra, Burga, and Riverdale. After the Battle of Sodden Hill, Sodom was split into Upper Sodden and Lower Sodden, with the Yoruga forming a natural border. With the Peace of Centra, the two halves were recombined into Sodden, and it became a vassal state of Tamaria. So that time period when it was separated was basically the, the that was just the battle lines. That's mm-hmm. that's where the Nilfgaardians um, made it as that far north, which was like yeah, they made it partway to through Upper Sodden, yeah. um, where they were pushed back uh, at, at the Battle of Sodden Hill, and then they kind of took the part before the Yuruga. And the Yuruga, for a good chunk of the 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 war, created like that natural like line between right. the Northern Kingdoms and Nilfgaard. Right, because it's very hard to, for an army to cross a river. It, mm-hmm. it, it, when you're crossing any water 
it puts the the army that's crossing that barrier is is very exposed it's, mm-hmm. you can't maneuver around and so that becomes just a natural boundary yeah uh the uh which i thought was a very interesting fact the coat of arms of sodden was uh, apparently created by a witcher wiki user imboro um but it was apparently featured in uh the witcher 3 mm-hmm. and like a little clip or a snippet of like series family tree or something it showed a picture and it was there um and became a canonical emblem rather than just like a fan-made huh. thing um huh. It appears to be a red jewel set in a gold pendant on a background of like lighter blue. That sounds, so. I mean, it sounds like it matches. That's similar to some of the other emblems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, per, the Emboro uh, Rid is a, is like a heraldic expert. So like they kind of study this kind of stuff. So it makes sense. Heraldic and Witcher expert. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, after the death of Eckhart of Sodden, the throne passed to his closest living relative, his half-nephew, Foltest. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Foltest, yep. our favorite guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> in 1263, the Nilfgaardian Empire launched a full-scale invasion of the north, and after slaughtering the Kingdom of Sintra, moved its army to Sodden. The first battle of Sodden resulted in the northern army being swiftly defeated and the Nilfgaardians conquering the region later known as Upper Sodden before crossing the Uruga and attacking the northernmost regions of Sodden where they were defeated in the battle of Sodden Hill. Stavit caused the Nilfgaardian army to retreat back across the Uruga and no further battle ensued as the other bank was too well defended by northern armies. Mm-hmm. Right. So, That's, and this is a lot of what we see in actually, the Witcher TV show even. Mm-hmm. So we, we see bits and pieces of this and then the aftermath of the battle in the second season so mm-hmm. so this one's pretty familiar i feel like a lot of people are going to feel like okay they're, they're familiar with that but we other than that we just don't know that much about sodden because it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a centerpiece of a lot of what's going on it's kind of a minor location and it just happened to have a battle on it because of the yeah. proximity to sintra yeah it's a real like smaller i mean like even like listed um and i'm sure i could find it but like just generally like didn't really list a capital and like if you think about it there's not really any like major like cities or like hubs there or whatever it's mostly just like kind of open country and you see like like kind of like peasants and and, like commoners just kind of living there Mm -hmm. but like it's not like you know not a whole lot of like metropolizing going on in right, the area. Right. Not so. a large population, mostly just farms <clears throat> and fields and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So where do we go next? Uh, next we go into uh, Bruga. Bruga. Uh, Bruga. Uh, named after uh, a Belgian city, I think. I think there's also oh. a city in Belgium named Bruga. B-R-U-G-G-E. Uh, so anybody from that part of the world that knows if that's mm-hmm. the same spelling. Um, okay, that's interesting because usually the names are pretty distinct from real world locations. Yeah, uh, it is a monarchy. Uh, it is also a vassal state of Tamaria, former kingdom and vassal state of Sintra, uh, ruled by King Vinslav. Um, the capital is Brugge, as a common theme. Uh, the, and then their currencies are the crown and the copper. Okay, that sounds cool. Crown of copper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Brugge was a small kingdom, now vassal state, on the old road. It is separated from its neighbors by the river Yuruga, its tributary ribbon, and the river Trava. 
Brugge is surrounded by Sodden to the east, Sintra to the south, Verdun to the west, and Brokelon to the north. So it's kind of like this like location that's just squished between all these other bigger or neighbor locations. In some cases, mm-hmm. just similar size, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, they're pretty similar. Sodden's definitely bigger, but like, well, actually all of them. Verdun's about the same size, and Brokelon's about the same size, but the other two are much larger, obviously. Um, Burga was originally an independent kingdom before Sintra took over, making it a vassal state. After Queen Kalanthi's death, Burga became a vassal state to Temeria and was then ruled over by King Vinslav, who was a vassal to the Temerian king. Mm. This stuff, it, I mean, so much of this stuff echoes the things that happened in European history with all of these little kingdoms. Like if you watch the history of Europe over the last 2000 years after the, especially after the fall of Rome and these little kingdoms that pop up and the way that like one grows and they take more land and then they have claims. We talked about this in previous episodes, having claims mm-hmm. to somebody else's land through like marriage or whatever hereditary something mm-hmm. and the way that the, they just kind of, it's almost like watching a bunch of like amoebas like eat each other and then get bigger and then divide and then get smaller again you know like yeah it's kind of uh, this well kind of what goes on with this stuff but yeah and a lot of the stuff like it's end up getting like i mean we see it the last two it's like you know they get taken by centra and then like after that they get taken by tamaria because they're just getting absorbed by bigger kingdoms to right. like you know watch over them but like sodden is just kind of like they see the point there with like sod with it not being as like i think like important you know population or just like because you know it was just it just became a vassal state and Foltis ruled over it right but like here he actually like set out like a vassal king to rule over it in his stead so it's like mm. definitely got a bit i think probably significantly higher like population to it it's more important has to be yeah. has to have somebody there to, to rule over it yeah and just because mm. somebody's a vassal doesn't mean that they're they're a hundred percent ruled over by somebody else it's right. it's it's a term of agreement that means like we're gonna do what you say and we're gonna pay you a certain tithe or some sort of tax uh but at the same time they are kind of on their own in in the way that mm-hmm. they rule their own people outside of certain context uh, yeah. we won't go into all the details but it's not like they are just completely subsumed by a bigger place it's just it's it's an agreement to be ruled by them in a way mm-hmm. yeah um there is uh as far as i could find no official coat of arms um so yes not that important and a lot of these were kind of like a bit iffy on the coat of arms mm-hmm. um but i'll talk about each of those as we look over them um and during the second northern war Brooke was one of the kingdoms which suffered the most in the nof guardian invasion um you know especially considering its like location to centra i mean once yeah. they took centra kind of go straight up because it's north so yeah it definitely uh was one of the first targets there after um in 1263 during the first northern war many refugees left displaced from the slaughter of centra traveled to Brugge for shelter the war led to a large surplus of cheap Novgardian wares traveling from Brugge into Temeria, where the competing cheap prices started to greatly damage the economy. King Viltist of Temeria knew he couldn't shut the borders between his kingdom and Brugge, as it would seriously anger the Merchants Guild and affect trade relations between them, though the impact of this great takeover led to Nilfgaard's Florin out 
uh, outing the local currency in certain areas of Brugge. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit during the Tamaria episode mm-hmm. and how uh, and, and again, this is another one of those things that's very it's based on things that happened during actual wartime and mm-hmm. it would make sense. The people who are fleeing Sintra don't have anywhere else to go. They can't go into the sea unless they have a boat to get away on. They can't go mm-hmm. south. It's not easy to go to the west necessarily. So they go north. They want to escape mm-hmm. the Nilf guardians. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, during the interwar period of late 1263 to early 1267, several northern rulers agreed to outlaw and hunt the Skoyatel from their lands due to recent violent attacks from the non-humans. Uh, part of this time period included a pogrom in the capital in which many non-humans are killed, including the grandmother of Yarpin Zigrin. Oh, no. Yarpin's uh, Nana. Yep. <laughs> Is she called uh, Nana? I hope she's called Nana. <laughs> you, I feel like I feel like it's like a one syllable thing. Like with like you know, it just seems like they kind of vibe. Uh like Nan. Nan. Yeah. I feel like he'd walk Yarvin's and be like Nan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That seems fitting. Tracks. Um in several instances, Brugian troops attacked dryads mistaken for escaping elves or those fighting alongside them, even sometimes venturing into Brokolon to hunt them. This angered Queen Eithne, who began in order to kill any humans found past Brokolon's borders. Um, yeah, par for the course. We'll, of course, we'll uh, be a nice to elves thing. Yeah, and we'll, of course, expand more on you know, the dryads and stuff when we get to Brokolon. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that's Bruga, and we're now moving on to Verden. Verden. So yes. what's the deal with Verden? Uh, so they are also a monarchy. Uh, they are an independent kingdom, a former tributary state of Sintra until 1263, and vassal state of Nilfgaard from 1267 to 1268. So they were ruled by Sintra, then taken over by Nilfgaard for a bit, and now are their own like independent land. Mm-hmm. Um, ruled by Kistrin, smelly old Kistrin. Smelly uh, for old those that remember Kistrin. that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the thing when when Geralt finds Ciri in Brokolon Forest, she's running away from Kistrin because he smells funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He doesn't like him. <laughs> nice. Um, but formerly uh, Irville. Um, the previous ruler uh his capital is nastrog holy cow you mean to tell me that there's a capital that's not named after the same as the country yeah right our kingdom uh and its official currency is the ducat the ducat i have a map here I, I figured it would be useful to open this up so you guys can see where sodden is next to sintra and then bruga is kind of stuck between all these other locations and verden over on the the western side is right up against the ocean and then if you go south you've got Sintra but there's kind of that inlet that that crosses where the river comes out and hits the ocean that's mm-hmm. that's in the way and then there's Carrick to the north but otherwise Brockalon Forest it's, it's just kind of squeezed between Brockalon Forest and the coast yep. so it's another one of those locations that just like if 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 the Guardians are coming up through that location you don't really have anywhere else to go but just keep going north to get away from them Pretty much. Uh, Verdin is located at the very mouth of the river Yuruga with Karak and Brokolon on its northern borders and Sintra in the south, just on the other side of the river. Its coat of arms and flag depicted a, this is the actual term, um, 
like I'm not sure. I'm, I think this is like a checkered kind of pattern, I believe, um, based on just like the picture, but mm-hmm. a checky of gold and black. A, a, a check. A check, check Maybe it's Chiqui? It sounds. It looks French. C H E Q U I. Like quoi would be what in French. I tried. So to maybe Google it means that. a check what? Much. It's a check what pattern. I don't know, but I like based on the picture, which I don't believe it was an official picture. It was just like mm-hmm. a design based off of the description, but it looked like a check, like a checkered pattern. Um, uh, but a a, a check chiqui of gold and black in earlier times. It was sometimes depicted as black and silver. The kingdom is also symbolized by two bullhorns of black and gold. Cool. All right. Uh, in 1263, it was a vassal state of Centra, but surrendered to the Nilfgaardian Empire at the beginning of the Second Northern War. Later, it would gain its independence and become a small kingdom. Uh, and this actually gets a little bit more... Uh, bit more like future than we usually get um because some of these stuff they do expand on like what state they're in way past um but centuries later in the age of colonization and piracy Verdun established a few forts on the eastern coasts so way past all these events yeah um after the first northern war in 1263, Verdun received many refugees from nearby Centra, left displaced after the massacre in the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, we see, of course, Centra, they're just spread out in every direction, essentially. Right. Um, following the war, Verdun faced a similar problem as Brugge uh, when they received a great influx of cheap Nilfgaardian goods. Foltis similarly kept the borders open for the sake of the Merchants Guild, leading to the ducat being outed by the Nilfgaardian Florin. Yeah. Yeah. So so they basically suffered the same fate. Essentially. Burden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's those locations. We still have some others to get to. But before we do that, we're going to go thank our patrons and remind you guys about the patron episode coming up. So let's go do that. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons, including our newest patron, Annalisa J. Welcome to the Patreon. And you signed up as, as a tier four, which means you can join us next week on Monday, the 27th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific in order to uh, chat with us during our patron episode. And Toasty, we're doing a really fun episode this this coming week. It's the Monster Dating Game monster so. <laughs> dating show game <laughs> which is just par for the course at this point with how yep. many of our episodes end up going uh if you'd like to join us you're welcome to join us you just have to sign up on patreon.com slash witcher lorecast as a tier four or higher and then you can join us next week and then if you stick around you can join us for future months after that and this is what we do every month so mm-hmm. thank you thank you to our patrons we also have to call out our higher vampires ben of tamaria and jared m thank you so much for you guys for um for signing up and uh all 15 of you thank you for your support also, if you'd like to help us out, you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and a five-star rating will get read out on a future episode of the show. We don't have any new ones this week, but we'd love to read out your words and get your words on on the show. And you can also drop us a rating on Spotify or whatever other platform you listen to this on or share us with your friends. Any of that stuff helps. And um, yes, Pasta Monster 1 in chat, Monster Dating Game. Yep. 
We're doing a monster dating monster dating game show. Yes, yes, that's exactly what was said. That seemed to be uh, the consensus at the end of the last patron chat. Um, so here we are. We're going to be doing this. It's it's going to be interesting. But you know what? It's February. It makes sense. <coughs> yeah, it makes sense. It fits. It fits. It fits. Say it faster what i i don't know i don't know but uh yeah so but thank you to everybody who helps support the show all right let's move on with the rest of the show you smell of death and destiny heroics and heartbreak it's onion right yeah all right we're back and it's time to talk about karak 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 that's a, this is like a tiny little guy. This is the smallest one. Smallest one, but somehow uh, more extensive lore than the rest. <laughs> uh, which you know, I guess makes sense. Um, but it is a uh, it's a bit different. Uh, it is a patrimonial mar- monarchy, hmm. um, which I believe when I, I looked that up was that it's there's much more absolute power in like the the monarch. Yeah, patrimonialism is a form of governance in which all power flows directly from the ruler. There's no distinction between the public and private domains. So the the monarchy owns everything. Yeah, so I guess like a dictatorship, but in the form of a monarchy. Um, yeah. So interesting. Um, it is a former kingdom. It has had its lands annexed by Sidaris, which we'll get to why in a moment. Um ruled by the Karak dynasty um, up until now uh, had a uh, defined uh, military, uh, the Karakian army uh, is capital. Of course, Karak surprise there. Uh-huh. Um, but it's in its official currency was the Novogradian crown, which is, which is odd because it is more North than some of these other locations. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, there's if you travel south from Karak, it's on the coast up north of Verden. But you, if you travel south to Nilfgaard, you have to go through Verden and Sintra to get to Nilfgaard. So that's interesting that they were using Nilfgaardian currency. No, Novagradian. Oh, Novagradian. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. thinking Nilfgaard. Novagradian. Yeah. Okay. So that's but it's still that's, there's still right. Tamaria entirely between them and like Redania where Novagrad would be. So it's, it's, it's a little interesting that it's like, yeah, there's some distance that there. official. Yeah. yeah. I would expect like maybe like the Oren or something just to make it easier or hmm. so, but it, who knows? Um, Karak was stretched along the Adelat River from the Great Sea in the west to the to Gajan foothills in the east. It was bordered by Sidaris in the north, Tamaria in the northeast, Brokolon in the east, and Verdin in the south. Sandwiched between a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, as and, as and you can coast. see on this map. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yep. In yeah, the I'll make it even Karak. bigger so you, everybody can see uh, just how much sandwiching happened. There you yep. go. Look at that. Uh, the emblem of Karak is a blue swimming dolphin with red details placed on gold. This is official Wait, flag and coat of arms. So their coat of arms is basically dolphin art. Yeah. Yeah. Dolphin art is, was a big joke uh, growing up in Florida near the coast because there's a lot of these like mm. places people come for like tourists go to the, go to the beaches and then there's little shops and every little shop had like airbrushed shirts and dolphin art all over the place and so that became just like the 
the de facto joke about like the crappiest form of art is dolphin art yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny how like popular as like dolphin stuff is considering <laughs> yeah. how awful they are as animals <laughs> I mean, we're not going to go into the details of that one but uh <laughs> florida lore you know, maybe rob maybe you should know. do a florida lore cast yeah uh, <laughs> yeah um <laughs> the area was originally inhabited by the elves who built a light tower at the mouth of the Adelat. after they abandoned this region humans started to settle they founded the port city of karak near the abandoned lighthouse and soon it became a den of pirates free traders and similar free-minded people hmm. at the beginning of the 13th century the city and its vicinities became a base of operations for the merchant and pirate osmic after monopolizing the sea trade in the area, finishing off the competition and winning a few petty wars with Verdin and Sitharis, he crowned himself as the first king of Karak. The coronation was seen as just formalizing the status quo since Osmic basically controlled the whole region before the ceremony. So this explains the governmental system. He was mm -hmm. a pirate. He was like a crime lord who mm -hmm. just claimed everything. Yep. Karak wow. was ran by the pirate godfather of the witch basically yeah wow uh osmic was followed by one of his five sons Belohan, who ruled over for 20 years increasing the country's income with the help of his court mage lida nade he was however unable to decide which of his sons should become a successor which resulted in a plot to replace him with his exiled eldest son varaxis it sounds like the name of a dragon. For yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a dragon name, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, backed by Risberg in the chapter, um, the coup coup d'etat uh, succeeded and Varaxis was crowned. Drag oh, dragon the, Lord. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> like the chapter of like sorcerers, you know, that thing. So uh, in return for obtaining the throne, Varaxis had to pay off his debts for the chapter. Uh, apart from raising taxes, he expanded his realm eastwards, thus coming into conflict with the dryads of Brokolon. Mm -hmm. His hatred towards eerie wives grew high, and in order to subjugate them, he plotted with Ervil of Verdin and the Order of the White Rose to Blitzkrieg the Forest. Oh, I bet that went well. Oh, yeah. Uh, the hatred led him, however, not to victory, but to death. A young dryad, the daughter of Duke Jerkast of Maribor, Duke, Duke, was present. Duke Jerkast? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't, it's probably pronounced differently, but, yeah. you know, I, I read it how I see it. So. <laughs> Jerkast. Um, What'd you yeah. call me? <laughs> Jerkast. Uh <laughs> It was present when Varaxis' emissaries talked with Foltist about the alliance against the forest and mur murdered the king a few weeks later when he attended a wedding in Tredegor. Varaxis had a successor, Tarand, not interested in storming the forest. He focused on different affairs, but the conflict with the Dryads did not cease. By the time the Second Northern War started, four joint Verdin Karaki voluntary expeditions were led to Brokolon by Maria Baring, all of them ended tragically for the dryad scalpers because their guide was in fact the dryad agent milva purposefully luring them into ambushes yeah great idea guys good idea invade the forest yeah. good work yeah so it's basically <laughs> a, a lot of conflict with uh 
with the dryads and you know it got taken over uh and it just started to fall apart essentially <laughs> you mm-hmm. just see that common trend um and then uh Geralt uh well some believe that Geralt's at fault here um for <laughs> the final nail in the coffin uh this part is uh technically game canon content only um but during the third northern war Karak sent most of its garrison to aid nordling forces on the front lines however this left their defenses weakened and prone to raids by clans of skellige around this time the kingdom was also decimated by the catriona plague which sowed the seeds of its ultimate downfall um those of you familiar with the witcher 3 uh catriona plague was essentially a result of like Geralt's releasing that um plague maiden from the tower so <laughs> so it's his fault yeah there's a lot of people who believe it's his fault yeah <laughs> so yeah that's fun wow. <laughs> i mean everything in some ways Geralt, Geralt's fault right yeah Geralt does does tend to, to gets, mess things up a lot he so. gets around and you know he's got his white knight agenda going on yeah. uh by the 16th century the kingdom had been long gone dwindled due to a combination of its inept rulers and the ruling line dying out its land was annexed by its neighbors the capital city karak became a part of sidaris speaking of sidaris yeah that's hey, our next place that's our next, next place in, uh so sidaris uh just a monarchy uh similar to the rest um it is a uh, you know officially as of right now uh, still a kingdom not formally ruled by anyone else or a vassal or anything just its own kingdom um is ruled by the sadarian dynasty capital is sadaris of course <laughs> um and its official currencies are the thaler crown although the crown is an informal currency and the copper mm-hmm. which that means that people will accept it in trade but it's not seen by the government as an official type of currency mm-hmm. yeah but yeah. with it's like i guess i guess in the sense of like these cities are i mean these nations aren't like too far apart i imagine that they're probably not actually that big um i'd have to look at the map and see what the scale was on it but it's probably mm-hmm. a pretty small continent i would guess um at least that's my impression but uh and of course it's you know it's a port they have like yeah. port access which would just easily take them able to you know go along to another port like right novigrad most so, of most of the kingdom Novigrad-Oxford. is is a peninsula mm-hmm. so it's mostly surrounded by water yep um uh Sidaris is a small kingdom on the western shore of the continent and is ruled by king ethane uh, the river Adalat in the south forms a natural border between Sidaris, Brimervord, and Karak. East of the kingdom lies Tamaria. West lies Brimervord, um, which Brimervord on the map is so tiny. It's like a tiny, it's almost like it's just a, like city. a city. Yeah, it's yeah. very small. Um, the vivid country owes its position and prosperity to maritime trade, the shipbuilding industry, vine plantations, and the rational use of the riches of the ocean. I like the riches so, of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Well, they do too. It does pretty well for them. It's mm-hmm. uh, coat of arms, um, and this is actually a specific description. Um, and I don't do heraldic stuff, so I apologize if we're going to interpret this. But um, Let's go for it, it is a little weird. Uh, so, uh, per pale argent and azure, two sturgeons counterchanged. So okay. I believe uh, 
Well, Azure is like blue, obviously. I don't know what the Argent is. I think it's a different color, essentially. Argent. Um, and I believe from the picture that I uh, I peeped, it was like, it's just basically two sturgeons or birds, right? Sturgeon a bird? Yeah, that, that sounds fish? right. That sounds right. I'm looking up Argent, oh and it's used a lot. Uh, the metal silver? Oh, it's Argent is, is an archaic word meaning silver. So, okay, so it so is a color. It's like the color silver, silver and, and blue. Silver and blue, basically. Yeah, it's, it's sturgeon is a fish. My bad. It's a fish. Uh, that makes so sense. Basically, it's two fish, and they're like kind of facing away from each other. Okay, Ooh. that makes sense uh, for it being you yeah. know, surrounded by water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, members of the royal family, however, bear different arms. Uh, aquamarine, two escallops argent, uh, below a fossilized sidaris sea urchin proper. Wow. Um, so Lots of sea stuff. Yeah, basically, uh, aquamarine background, I believe, two silver scallops. Escallops. Or, or like scallop shells. Um, Maybe. What is escallops? At the top, and then... Escallop. Uh, this, uh, oh, wait. This sea urchin Variant spelling of escalope, another term for scallop. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. It's just a fan... Uh, it sounds fancier when you say it like yeah. that. Yeah. the thing. So, I think it was like two scallop shells at the top and then like a sea urchin at the bottom or something mm -hmm. so okay yeah we don't have actual art for these to to show you because it's just described mm. so um probably find it or there's i think this one specifically there was so there was a few there wasn't like there was art but none of them were official right uh, it's stuff so, that other people have made but not like yeah like you haven't seen it on like the cover of a book or in some cases in yeah. one of the games where you yeah. can actually Pull it from so, there. Yeah. Um, the uh, similar here uh, to Bruga and uh, I already forgot Berdan. Um, the the cheap Nov Guardian goods also uh, plagued Sidaras. I chose plagued very specifically as the word there. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so they had a similar problem. King Faultist, of course, not closing down for the Merchants Guild. You know, yeah, and it caused problems for the the official currency. Um, and then in 1267, Athane sent his fleet to defend the eastern coast. Should the Novgardians march past the Yuruga along the coast, so they were kind of forming a bit of the the northern kingdom navy for or naval force mm. for for you know the northern. Kingdom. Well, it makes sense. So. It's it's in a prime location to be able to send out ships mm -hmm. in order to try to counter anything the North guardians were doing along the coast so. yeah and if they wanted to go up that side and of course it makes sense that they would want to because that seem they have the least opposition um going up that direction mm -hmm. so um yeah this is uh, this is cool stuff you would it's interesting that these are all little individual locations because they're also small if you were to combine all of these that we discussed today You'd end up they're with not even. I mean, they're the size of Sintra. Right, right. You'd end up maybe. with a place maybe the size of Sintra, uh, but that combined strength might help them fend off invaders, or you know, be able to negotiate with Tamaria and not have to be, you know, a vassal state or whatever, like some of them are. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, but I mean, that's just how this stuff works. You know, it's it's true to like we discussed, it's true to history. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It clearly looks like it would make more sense if they all combined their their forces, but that's not how cultures work. Yeah, they're too busy uh, being like selfish with their own 
minuscule resources that yeah. I mean they'll work together, but of course you see so many conflicts between different nations, like even during I mean, we see that how much conflict there is with you know, Kaidwin and uh Adern and then with Kaidwin and Redania. Yeah. I mean, all these, these places much larger so. much much larger uh mm-hmm. nations or kingdoms or whatever. Yep. Yep. So. yep. Okay. Well, next week we've got our monster dating show. So you are welcome to join us. We would love to have you join us. And if you are currently a patron, a a tier four or higher patron, then we hope you can join us because it's going to be, it's going to be a hoot. It's going to be a good old crazy time. Like these, these are so much of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anything else going on, Toasty? Um, of course, I do the cyberpunk lore cast um, with Genesis. Um, if you're into cyberpunk uh, and that, you know, universe and that lore. Um, and I also do the cyberpunk red live play podcast, um, cyberpunk, cyberpunk apostrophe D with the fumbling for an almighty crit king. And uh, I'd also just like to kind of shout out the like, it was a really, I just thought it was a really interesting like question that was posed in the the witcher channel um on the discord the other day when we were talking about like the nature of like how magic yeah affects like the world or the people's beliefs affect on magic because of course like something like magic uh, in the witcher universe is supposed to be kind of like nebulous and right I here mean, it's, it's let, chaos let so me, it's not gonna let me read it so to kind of clue people into the conversation that was happening this is from svala who's one of our members on the Discord. And Svala wrote, Hi, I just found the Witcher Lorecast. I'm up to episode 15, first best year episode. I have scattered Witcher knowledge, and this may have been covered, but how did Undead end up in the world? Monsters came from the conjunction, but Undead, zombies, wraiths, etc., is a little unclear. Is it just lingering chaos magic that continues to reanimate people? Uh, some come out well after the conjunction, did they exist before the conjunction? And my assumption, I responded and I said, my assumption is that it's tied to magic and that came with the, with the conjunction, like mm-hmm. this, the magical forces in order to reanimate the dead didn't exist in the world until the conjunction happened. And whether those things naturally started, you know, just running amok and reanimating dead bodies or who knows, there were rogue wizards out there playing with the new magical things that they right. could tap into. And then, you know, sure enough, you've got curses happening and people not being able to die completely and, and these kinds of things right. coming. And it may be a combination of both those things. That was my assumption. Um, so it got into this really interesting conversation about like, it's not clearly stated. It's not like this is something that is actually spelled out anywhere. So it's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I just thought it was really interesting. Uh, one one of the, the, I think one of the cooler like questions is coming in for me. Cause I was just like, like, See, whenever I have like a question where I'm kind of like, I don't know, like, and I, I do like, I usually, if I see something like that, I'll immediately like go like, like look it up regardless of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm usually at work. I, <laughs> right. I just pull up my phone. I'm like, Hmm. Huh. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just, it was an interesting idea because like it, people's beliefs do obviously play a thing and we know superstition is like a big deal. I mean, there's a lot of superstitious people in like the real world and like, you know, or like believing in like 
these certain things to lead to these certain, you know, certain situations and stuff or having an explanation for like monsters because, you know, it's easier to call something a monster than not. But yeah, yeah. look at any of our bestiary episodes with the real world explanations for like the myth behind stuff. Yeah. But it's like, it's weird because in a world with established magic, why would those superstitions exist if there wasn't like a reason for it? Well, I think, I think in both cases, you people don't either have the ability or take the time to actually scientifically vet things and so they just go on whatever their gut says or whatever the situation looks like which isn't always the true reason for a thing right right? and and Geralt comes across this all the time where people are like hey there's this thing going on and he looks into it and he goes well actually it's this right yeah but people we jump to conclusions so often that it comes in it's like maybe like or there's quests where like people like it it seems like it's an easy explanation but then it ends up actually being like something that's worthwhile or like Geralt needs to actually take care of so yeah i don't know yeah Hmm. i think it's just the nature of people we all we all like to jump to conclusions we all like to make sure that the world around us is explainable even if it's scary to have a scary explanation is better than no explanation Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it, yeah. we're seeking to control the environment around us through our through our understanding of it in our minds, which means that we often gravitate towards false information. And yeah. it's I mean, it's just the nature of being ignorant too. like the, the less, you know, the less you have to build a rational explanation that actually makes any sense. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's good conversation. Thank you for for sharing that on there. And uh, we'd love to continue talking with you guys about some of this stuff. So if you aren't on if you aren't on our discord yet, come join us. Robots Radio Discord. You can just search it and go to robotsradio.net. There's a link there. Uh, also, robotsradio.net for all of my podcasts and all the other shows on the network. Lots of different shows, lots of awesome hosts with some really cool content out there. So if you're looking for more things to listen to, head on over there poke around i'm sure you'll find something that you like and uh that's gonna do it for this week but uh sorry the episode's a little late this week we had to delay things a few days but we'll be back normal time next week on monday and looking Mm -hmm. forward to chatting with our patrons so we'll see you guys then and chat thanks for being here as well see you guys next time bye everybody oh toasty (laughs) do your thing i was about to wait i was like do your thing i messed up stay safe on the path bye Thanks for tuning in to the Witcher Lorecast. We'd love to hear about your experiences with the games and the books and the TV series and all your thoughts on everything. Please check out the Robots Radio Discord and follow us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.